Hey there, fellow trauma nerd. This is Justin Sinceri, licensed marriage and family therapist, who is absolutely obsessed with the polyvagal theory. In this episode, Mercedes and I talk about something I'm wondering about and something that I'm applying with my clients, and that's about dreaming and sleep and the polyvagal theory. This isn't something that I've read about or seen others comment on, so this is really kind of just my own thoughts on the, on the topic and Mercedes and I kind of process and discuss uh, further. Something else I'm kind of wondering about is hallucinogenic therapy, and that discussion is going to be on the justinlmft.com members page. And Mercedes and I kind of, we, we discussed that. You can listen to that there. It's five bucks a month for members. But for now, we have the discussion right here for you about dreaming, sleep, and the polyvagal theory. First off, I think one where I want to start is I when I talk about sleep with clients, I find it very, very, not sleep, but dreaming. I, th- I think it's very valuable conversation to have and has some really interesting results. I don't buy into the idea that there are like symbols in your sleep that mean something that are the same thing to everybody else. So I don't, I don't think if Mercedes dreams about a lion that it has the same meaning as if I dreamed about a lion or a tree or whatever the heck, whatever the thing. You know what I mean? So I, on that I level, do. I don't think objects and dreams, yeah, I don't think objects and dreams um, have any objective meaning on that level. I do think that dreams serve two purposes. That's what I've, what I've talked with with clients. And the first one is to process the day's events. If you really think about a dream, like if you have a, a dream that you remember, I rarely remember my dreams, but if you can write down the images that you remember and then think back to the day before, a lot of times the day before will pop up in your dream. I think it's the brain's attempt to weed out what's important and what's not important. It discards some information. It retains some other information, especially like emotional things, I I think. But I think of those images first off are just processing the day's events. I think on on that level, dreams are kind of weird, but they serve a specific function. The second level about dreams, and and then I'll go into polyvagal theory, the second level is that it's attempting to work through things that you are emotionally tied up in. Uh, I think it attempts to work through traumas, things that you're stuck on, really. And I think those are events. I think those are emotions. Um, I think that... The, and then... It, well, so I'll leave it like that, okay? So it's an attempt to work through the day's events but it's also an attempt to kind of work through anything else that you're kind of like stuck on, like bigger picture. So let's talk about the big things. We know when we're awake that our autonomic nervous system attempts to climb the ladder pretty much, I think, all the time. I don't think the the autonomic nervous system by itself would drop. You know what I mean? Like I think it's it's there to work up the ladder. It, It always wants to go up. The ladder because that's where we have the greatest that's what's best for our bodies is to be in a safe and social state that is the best thing for our healing our connection it's the best thing for procreation and continuing the species is to be in this safe and social state connect with each other to be able to heal so our autonomic nervous system always wants to travel upward i think it's always moving upward in the absence of danger cues I don't know, say in a vacuum or whatever. You're saying that the autonomic nervous system isn't going to just go down the ladder on its own. It It's continuously trying to move up. So, but if we are experiencing danger cues in the environment, then obviously based on our um, 
our own autonomic nervous system and neuroception, da da da, will bump down or not. Or even uh, danger cues in the internal environment, like climbing up the ladder, going from shutdown into your sympathetic fight state is very scary. And that in and of itself can feel like a danger cue or going up into your safe and social state can be very scary. And that in and of itself can be sensed as a danger cue and send you right back down. But basically, yeah, and that's what I mean when I say stuck, not broken, is that our, we're attempting to, our nervous system is attempting to regulate, self-regulate. But a whole bunch of stuff gets in the way internally and externally. Oh, by the way, we talked about internal neuroception last time, and I kept bringing it back to pain. But hunger, if you feel hungry, you drop down the ladder into a, you know, people get hangry. You drop down the ladder into like a fight place, right? Absolutely, I do. And you get, there you go. So, there. But Me so hunger. and others. <laughs> yeah. So there's things like that that your body detects internally. So the autonomic nervous system is always trying to regulate. Okay. As, as I understand it, that's mostly my assumption, but I, that makes sense, I think. And it makes sense biologically, it makes sense on an evolutionary level, because that's, that's where we heal, you know? That's where we, we need to be. And this especially makes sense when you fall asleep, because when you fall asleep, there's no internal thing stopping that process from happening. When you're awake, you get high, you tell yourself all kinds of things, you binge watch TV, and that stops the process of regulation, of, of working the way up the ladder into safe and social state. But when you're asleep, you don't stop that process. And I think that as and the other piece here is story follows state. So in our nerve, when we fall asleep, now it's just like raw autonomic nervous system, I think. And this is now how I'm working with my clients. I think it's just raw ANS regulation, right? So coming from shutdown into fight, that's the step, but it's story follows state. So the images in your brain, in your dream, match the state, the state change. And if you're going to go up and feel that, you're probably, your dream, I would think, is going to match. It's going to have, and then the symbols in the dream are probably going to reflect important life events, maybe the day's events as well. To, but I think are going to, and so I think that's why we are going to dream about the things we've survived because when we upregulate, we go up, it's attached, that sensation might be attached to the trauma we survived. So uh, the brain associates, it, it gives an image, it gives a story to that state change. So that's my, that's how I'm working with dreams right now. And that's, this makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Does that make sense? Or is there anything that seems stupid there to you? This is wondering mode. No, <laughs> not stupid. Um, I I feel like I need a little bit more time for myself to process it because I, I'm not sure that... I think there's just like a lot of different scenarios that are going through my head. Like someone who has had really significant trauma in their lives and aren't emotionally ready yet to 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 move up the ladder. I don't know if that makes sense, but maybe they don't feel safe yet. And so... So I'm thinking of their their autonomic nervous system in let's call it a neutral state, you know, the sleep the sleep mode. So nothing else is happening except for sleep, and I can see what you're saying. I think I think that makes sense, but I wonder if it's just a much slower process, or if it it's a process that might take even years for some people who, who have had really significant trauma history, and maybe their dreams would be repetitive of like maybe reliving the event. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not saying they're successful. I'm saying that's what the ANS wants to do. 
And I'm, you know, sad, but yeah. when we have nightmares, we wake up, right? Yeah. I had a dream, I'm not going to go into it, but I had a dream that was extremely disturbing. And as I was waking up, I caught it like in, in like a mid-dream, mid-wake, mid-awake sort of place. And I caught it, and I was conscious enough to be like, no, I know what's happening. And so I held on to the, the image, the dream, and I had one of those really powerful, unstuck moments of like an energy like discharge. It was super powerful, but it was because I realized what was happening and I knew that the image in my head, the dream itself was a reflection of my internal stuff, state, state change. And so I was able to hold that image, breathe through it and allow that energy to come out. It was really, really powerful, um, pretty amazing experience. So I think that we do that when we have nightmares, which I think are a reflection of our state change, that we wake up. And so the process is thwarted. Oh, I see. So, so okay. So the cycle can't complete itself because now we're awake. And to get back into it, we'd have to go through the whole thing again. And theoretically, we'd wake up so. again in the same spot. I'm really wondering. That you makes know, sense. And that's at least, I think it makes sense. And that's at least the framework that I'm working on now with, with my clients. When they when we talk about dreams and I'm finding that dreams um, have a much bigger um, impact when processing them and it's not just about the day it, can, it could be about the day's events it could be about a bigger um, state change uh, stuck state it could be about that too you know yeah it's not and it's more than just the emotions that are going through but also the state change underneath it and so there's like multi layers of dreams that now that I'm working about with my clients and it, it always attached, it always comes back to a bigger life theme. Have you heard this? Um, I don't know if it's a theory or a proven thing. I think they've proven it. The sleep and dream scientists um, where the longer you're asleep, the further back your memory will go. And so, and I've noticed this, it, I don't remember many of my dreams anymore, but for a period of time I was remembering my dreams fairly regularly and I would notice that the dreams that I was having closer to the morning closer to waking up had to do with things that were from middle school for example just like longer ago in my life whereas the dreams earlier on in the night so more recently having gone to sleep are dreams that have to do more with with present day so I think there's a lot to be said about your theory and combining that with the idea that the further asleep the longer sleep that we are, the further back we go in our memories, because that's thinking about someone who's gone through trauma. I wonder, yeah. If because you were saying, for example, like the the nightmares will wake them up, or the a bad dream or something, and it, the imagery will wake a person up. I wonder if that's another piece of it too, where the dreams maybe would be really helpful to process a lot of this stuff internally, emotionally, but they can never really get to that to like earlier parts, like earlier memories, because they're awake before then does that make sense yeah well in the memories the images the memories are are secondary to the state change so the memories in the state change i think bring someone out of sleep the fear of the fear of it really the fear they experience while asleep brings them out of it plus the intensity of it but it's not just the memory it's it's the autonomic shift 
that's well, happening right. underneath the, the, the memory, memory associated to the feelings, which then associates to the state shifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a really interesting theory. But the other way around, I think you're, I think you're doing it the other way around. So I'm saying it's state shift, and then the dream, like it's is on is the next layer above it. But the state shift is the primary layer, and then the dream matches the state shift. Does that make sense? Is that are we on the, are we saying the same thing? It sounds like you're saying so the, the very the last dream. bit again. You said the state shift then matches the dream. The, you fall asleep, and now the autonomic nervous system is like going to do its thing and cut loose, right? Once it starts to shift, then the dream puts an image to what's happening inside because its story follows state. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? I, th- I, th- I thought you were saying the opposite, that it was the dream I, and then the state I shift. Think I'm saying, <laughs> I think I'm saying the same thing, but I, I think I'm more like focused on the idea of how, you know, the, the further in our sleep we go, the further back our, our memory. I don't know if I'm using the right words, but... I could see that. Someone said that it was an interesting theory, and then someone else says, yes, when I see certain family members and other triggers, I will have trauma dreams reliving trauma events. Sometimes I will just have abstract nightmares. I could see that, like, during your waking, you know, being awake, there's a trigger, you, you see something, someone, and then when you're asleep, that person pops up in your dream, which might trigger maybe a state shift. I, I, what, what you're saying, I wonder if that makes sense because now I'm wondering again. And we, what if we enter a dream? And I, I don't know enough about dreams, but it would make sense that the more we come out of our state, that probably be farther into our sleep. And the thoughts in our head are going to match. And it's going to be probably older memories, I would think. Uh, older flashbacks and, and visuals and whatnot. So maybe on that level, it just it takes longer for the, the regulation to happen while you're asleep. And I don't know if it happens like during certain times of sleep. I have no idea, but just I'm talking about just very in general. I mean, it must be happening ongoing, right? I don't, I don't know that there would be a pause or a stop button on that. But what I, what, how I'm imagining it is your, your theory, right? And then that disrupts the cycle of sleep, which disrupts the cycle of autonomic nervous system movement, state up, upward state shifts. But I'm wondering if, again, the idea of the further back you go, the further, the further, the older the memories we're accessing. And I wonder if a person were to be able to stay asleep safely, but be able to stay asleep through those state shifts of, say, more recent memories and experiences, and then keep moving further back in their sleep and therefore in their chronological memory. I wonder if that would help people move through some of this stuff better. I don't know. I'm really fascinated by this now. I like. I kind of want to be a sleep scientist now. I would think if you're gonna, um, if you're able to stay asleep or stay in a state lucid or conscious enough to to stay with the uh, images and of the state change and be able to tolerate it because it's probably pretty uncomfortable. I, I think that that it, it, like it's very similar to meditation, right? Sleep on some levels. I, lucid dreaming like where if you're able to like come out of it enough to where you can really hold it and consciously be a part of the state I think shift it is. I, I think it's really closely tied to mindfulness stuff meditation stuff yeah yeah the raw ans autonomic nervous system state shift while you're asleep i think that does happen and i think that can happen to all of us but for those who are more maybe more way down the ladder and really stuck in there or have like a, some freeze energy some shut some shutdown lack of energy and coming into that sympathetic energy, it might be too much. 
just like when awake, um, especially if they're waking up or if those dreams are so disturbing, they're, they're having very restless or coming out of the sleep. That's my guess. Uh, but these are just wanderings. But it's also kind of how I'm now working with my clients and it makes a lot of sense to them um, from, from that angle, from these angles. I really only have, I, I work with younger kids and so we don't often go to the dream place. But I'm wondering about this for myself and I wish I could remember more of my dreams more frequently. So I, might, I know, I never do. I, I rarely, rarely do. And it's usually just like a little snippet, like a, like an image and then I'll like, you know, the thing like as you're as you're waking up, like the less you remember and then the more you try to hold on to it, the less you are able to. That's what always happens to me. So I just have this one weird image and I'll tell my husband I had a dream and it had to do with this. And he's like, what? That's an unnecessary story. <laughs> <laughs> I think people should really write down the images of their yeah. dream. I think that this is a this could be really valuable. So when I work with clients, I'm not saying, hey, let's talk about your dreams. It's, it's it's more like they're in a moment of like quiet processing. Like, you know, when we give them some silence on our, on our end, we can see they're processing and they'll go, hey, I had a dream last night. Like they'll, mm-hmm. they'll just it'll, kind of volunteer. Come up it'll pop up in their mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It'll, they'll fill in the, the silence and they'll, uh, uh, the dream will pop up in their mind because it's relevant to what we're talking about. It's relevant to what they're going through in the session. And so rather than focusing on their state change in the session, They'll go to the dream, which reflects it anyways, I think, and we'll process that and then we'll bring it back to the session and and notice it in real time. It's kind of like this back and forth kind of thing. I took a sleep and dreams course when I was in undergrad. And the big thing was definitely having a dream journal and having it right by your bed and, you know, a pen ready to go so that I remember my teacher, she was a little bohemian and she was very fun but um she said like <laughs> and there was research and stuff behind it it wasn't just her saying this but it, um yeah. the you know the the more often that you get into the habit of just writing something down even if you don't really remember anything but just um writing something down about your dreams then your mind kind of starts to like build the habit and then you're more able to more frequently remember your dreams and then building on that you can even train yourself to to become a lucid dreamer which I think I've been able to do maybe twice in my life, which was really awesome. But yeah, yeah, I think and I think that's where if you could do that, the the self regulation thing that we're that I'm talking about that happens in sleep, I think that could really be powerful. That that's that's what I had stumbled upon. I had just stumbled upon that once, like an early morning, and I went through this huge like discharge thing coming up the ladder. We have um, a question about explaining um, what a lucid dreamer is. So the idea is that uh, if you can engage in lucid dreaming, it's the idea that, so typically dreams are unconscious and you have no control over what's happening in the dream. But lucid dreaming is when you are able to bring awareness to the dream. So even though you are physically in an unconscious state, you are able to bring awareness to it. And so you actually have control in the dream so theoretically you could control yourself or the imagery that you see in the dream it's a really really powerful thing and like I said I've only been able to do it once or twice maybe ever in my life and it was much closer to when I was in my undergrad days than now (laughs) but it's a really cool experience to be able to be dreaming and be fully asleep but then have control over the dream it's it's super powerful 
that's impressive though. Like that's you purposely like trained to do, not train, but or train. I don't know. But there was yeah. like conscious awareness of it. Yeah, yeah. I rem I remember cool. that. I you know I was asleep, but I was aware that I was asleep, and I was aware that I was dreaming and asleep. It was a really weird like metacognition type of a thing because I knew I was asleep and at that the same really time cool. I was aware enough, aware enough to control some stuff and the only thing is I remember it lasting really short because then I got really excited like yes I'm doing it and then I woke myself up out of that so. yeah yeah it's only happened a couple times the last time I did it I was it was just I was emerging into from sleep into being awake with this seriously disturbing image in my head and I'm like no no I was a conscious enough to know this isn't about the image it's about the state shift and I'm gonna hold on to that so I'm glad I did it was, it was pretty neat all right there fellow trauma nerd thank you so much for listening to this discussion about dreaming and the polyvagal theory we did this during an Instagram live which you are welcome to come check out we do it pretty much every Sunday around 9 15 p.m but we also have a lot more polyvagal podcast content on justinlmft.com slash members description will have a link down below but like there's seriously every week we're uploading a brand new mini episode there and this week we have one about uh just us wondering and discussing hallucinogenic therapy uh specifically uh, ayahuasca thanks a lot